Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We are going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We were talking about 10 secrets, how to stop worry and doubt. And uh, thank you for all the positive feedback we had on yesterday's show, which was part one, and this is part two. And today in part two, we're going to get into the more specifics and tactical way that you can deal with external stress and a lot of the you know negative emotions that are certainly accompanied with a often very thankless and stressful career, which is the very definition of real estate oftentimes. But when you can figure out how to emotionally rise above the fray, you'll find yourself almost having a a superpower. Uh, So Julie had something she wanted to share with everyone, a story from the front lines with one of our uh, great coaching clients. Yes, Luann Eichhorn, shout out to you in Texas, longtime listener as well as coaching client. And Luann and I had a little, excuse me, a little chat about the frustrations of lower inventory. So first, Tim, you and I were talking about we're seeing some increase in inventory. So there's we good have. news. Well, we will just yeah. let's put some meat on that bone. So we uh, pay attention to many, many different real estate markets. Mm-hmm. Julie and I monitors uh, a handful of my monitor others. And what we look for, frankly, is just new listings, new listings, what's pending. We primarily focus on the markets where Julie and I have rental properties, obviously. And we did notice, I specifically noticed today, a fairly dramatic increase in some of the hottest zip codes where we have rentals. Um, in inventory. So there's no doubt going to be a a strong spring market. Mm -hmm. And you got to think how the market's going to react. But the houses will obviously go incredibly fast. That's going to drive prices up even more. And we're going to see even further escalation of prices this year. So when you're working with buyers or sellers that have to, you know, that want to buy before they sell, you got to get them to make, uh, you know, take action incredibly fast. And if they are financing, all their ducks have to be in a row. They're not going to get the properties. And I, you know, definitely feels like even if the rates do increase, which they might not because of this whole war that's broken out in between Russia and Ukraine, it's probably going to be the perfect excuse for rates not to be raised. Um, remember, you heard it here first. But if that, even if rates do go up, me, you know, an eighth of a point or a quarter of a point, it will not in any way. Um, in, I would say it even slightly chilled the market. No. It's going to the market this Stuff's year. Still going to get gobbled up, right? And especially since in the last sixty to ninety days nationwide, there has been historically like the lowest amount of homes for sale since I think people came out of living in caves, basically. <laughs> right. And uh, now you're going to see that market. The market's just going to punch right back. So make sure you guys are ready and you're prepared. That's right. So back to Luann for a second. You know, of course, we always refer to all the many different ways to find inventory, not just your MLS. But if we isolate the MLS just for a second, we were chatting about how to get more creative, more crafty in your searches. And some of the examples were instead of going higher for some, let's say, so my example to her was, let's say you've got a 550 buyer and you can't really find anything in that, say, five to $600,000 market that, that, you know, either exists or suits them. So instead of going up, go down a little bit. Look at 450. Get them into new construction at 425. They'll hold on to it for a year. They'll make money on it. They'll keep it as a rental and move with you again. Or they'll decide that they like it. So, you know, intuitively, you would always say, well, let's just bump up the price range. Sometimes going down market helps. Sometimes, like I remember when we were looking, we were moving to the Austin area, and we thought we wanted to live in actual Austin, right? 
And we were getting frustrated. It wasn't quite our cup of tea. So one day we punched out to 30 miles surrounding Austin. And lo and behold, there was more inventory. It was more interesting. It was actually less expensive than some of the stuff in, you know, regular Austin. But and that, we found something we liked. That's a really good micro point, though, what you're just referring to. We ended up settling in Georgetown. We lived there yes. for almost a decade. And Georgetown was just 30 miles north of Austin. That's right. But it was outside of the Austin's Board of Realtors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a different search parameter. But if you're not used to – if you don't know how to use the MLS, let's just start there. But even – you have to expand your search. Because just, again, sticking with Georgetown versus Austin, 30 miles away, but there's a toll road. There's all kinds of other ways to get from what would be, you know, North Austin now down to Central Austin if that's where people have to commute to every day. Also lined with new construction that may or may not be appearing in your MLS. So you might be the problem, listeners, what we're trying to that's tell you, right? That's what I'm <laughs> politely trying to, politely to tell you that. Yeah. You, you might be the reason you can't find inventory. And go back to listen to the pods we did before on how to create your own listing inventory. Because remember, guys, this is incredibly interesting, I think. This time last year, there were a million or uh, how many houses? About a mil- a million? I think just under a million. In the United States for sale, not including new construction. So in the last year, February of 21, there were a million homes for sale. And yet, what did we end up selling at the end of the year, not including new construction? Six million homes for sale. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to believe that won't increase with even more re- uh, new construction homes coming for sale. As more new construction homes come available, that means, especially considering the average price of most new construction is more on the upper end, you're going to see a heck of a lot more resale hit the market too. That's right, and because so, they're moving from somewhere, guys. So you, here's really where you need to be expanding your thinking to. You've got to create your own inventory. The MLS system, as we have it in the United States, is a blessing. It's incredible. Support your MLS. Support the National Association of Realtors. But here's the, the big takeaway. In other parts of the world, there is no centralized MLS. Like Julie and I live in Puerto Rico, there is no centralized MLS. So if you want to know about listings for sale, you go to the individual brokers who have the listings. And that's the way it works in the rest of the world. And there is no, though there is buyer's agency here, in the rest of the world, there is no buyer's agency. So if you're working as a realtor and you're in Germany or whatever, and you want to you know, help your buyer find a house, if you happen to be have a, a buyer agency contract with your buyer, you have to go to the individual brokerages and ask, what do you have? That's basically the way it works in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So we are, I, I think... Um, how do I? We've been made to be wooed into being complacent, believing that the inventory is always in the MLS. Nowadays, you got to almost forget about the MLS as much as we support it, mm-hmm. to support the National Association. You've got to almost forget about it, and you've got to essentially put on. You know, you you have to go out and find the inventory Act yourself. Act as if there's no MLS. Or ex- that's what I'm trying to say. Act as if there's no MLS. Go out and create your own inventory. Pretend you're in a market where the MLS isn't even an option, because. Listing agents are essentially making it so they are doing just that in many markets and selling their own listings to their own buyers. Mm-hmm. And that's all the way, that, that's you know full circle here, all the way back to the beginning. That's the reason we want you guys to become listing agents. That's the reason the strongest message you always get from Julie and I and all of our coaches and staff at Harris Real Estate University is always going to be become a listing agent. Yes, we'll tell you how to scale up working with buyers and branding and marketing and all the rest of it. But all your best energies every single day have to be focused on becoming a listing agent. Because on the other side of that is everything, or, or is basically all the reasons you got into real estate in the first place. It's true. And, and so if you're, if you're ready to become a premier coaching client, just text the word premier to 47372. And when you do, you'll be taken right to the premier coaching website. And then you can join premier coaching for around $100 a month. And this is your A to Z solution. You guys love the podcast. We know because this is the number one listen to daily podcast 
for real estate agents in the least the United States. You love our book, Harris Rules. We know because it continues to be a bestseller everywhere. Well, you aren't going to believe the value you get for around $100 a month, depending on how you decide to join with the Premier Coaching Program. So text the word Premier to 47372 and you can join right away. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Yes, and don't forget, the month just changed and that spells expired Palooza listing agents, up and coming listing agents. Look outside of your favorite MLS code. Stuff does expire. So before we get to the next point, you guys should do what Julie just said as your homework from today's um, podcast. You should go into the MLS and here's what I want all of you guys to do. And I know as I say this, some of you don't even know how to do it, but figure it out. Ask for help. Go and put in uh, search parameters for all expired and withdrawn listings. You could even go into looking for notice defaults and things like that. But just look for expired and withdrawns and go back 12 months and count how many there are. Even in these hot, crazy markets, you will be shocked. Now, here's the rule. Your entire MLS, not just the little you know five-mile radius that you limit yourself to, your entire MLS. Well, and then you can whack it back to something more manageable if you find that you have hundreds, which you may, and you'll all be surprised by that. And one of the first things we teach you how to do is actually go after those expireds to make those expireds your active listings. So these are the – every single conversation in your head at this point, especially in a market like this, needs to be going back to the question that, that hopefully you're going to be introspective enough to ask yourself – why the heck am I not prominently a listing agent? Why am I not spending my best energies every single day on being a listing agent? Once you accept that that is your job, that is the job of a real estate professional, and all this other stuff is this fluff or stuff you never need to really do at all, if you guys can be learn how to be proactive lead generators, pre-qualified, uh, pre-qualifiers, you know, furiously fast lead follow-uppers, um, and negotiators, in other words, proactive lead generation, furiously fast lead follow-up, uh, very good at pre-qualifying using our scripts and presenting. You learn those four skill sets, you guys really don't need to be good at anything else in real estate. I know that shocks some of you, but it's still, it is the essence of what it takes to be successful in this business. All right. Yes. So let's get back to point okay. number four. Now we're talking about, uh, this is part two of three, possibly four. We're talking about 10 secrets, how to stop worry and doubt. And we're using the Stoics as some examples of how to be thinking and what to be doing. And if you're not clear on who the Stoics were, get caught up with yesterday's podcast. So this is point number four. Marcus Aurelius, who was a Stoic, he said, quote, stop caring about what other people think about you. Care about what you do and what you say. You will find tranquility in looking inward versus outward. So how do you take that, Tim? I wanted to kind of discuss that a little bit with you because I think that that can be applied to many different parts of life and business. Well, the first thought that I had when you were reading that was that how infrequently people think about anybody else other themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's what it, that's actually was my dominant thought. Like if you think about listeners, how often you think about anybody else other than you, um, it, even when you do think of somebody else, it's probably just for a fleeting millisecond. And this is or the, how they relate to you. Right, exactly. <laughs> Everyone has, you know, essentially you're your own center of your own universe, and that's how most people think. So let's just start with a simple fact that most people probably aren't thinking about you ever. And they're not thinking about you as much as you obsess uh, believing that they are thinking about you. And I'll tell you the other place this went to is this whole – uh, panacea of bullshit that basically a lot of people are so stuck within believing that everyone is thinking about them all the time mm -hmm. is what feeds the ego and it torments your soul. It really does. It makes you crazy thinking about other people are thinking about you and even people that should know better. People that are, you know, frankly, who've been on this, you know, been spinning around this planet for a few decades and even maybe four or five decades or more. 
they actually spend too much time thinking about what other people think about them, whereas their better energies or their best energies should be spent trying to be of service to other people. So if you pivot away from the obsession with yourself and start focusing in on being obsessed with helping other people, then you will find not only do you lose the narcissistic, egotistical perspective on life of you being the center of the world or universe, really, you're also then going to start finding yourself being much more fulfilled, much happier. Oh, by the way, considerably wealthier because everything you want in life is on the other side of being of service to other people. That is what I was thinking. Very good. I think that we will leave it at that. Can't I don't need to add anything to that. So, but related to it is point number five, process your emotions, don't ignore them. I think there's a difference between what they're saying versus like uh, giving your emotions too much credit like we were talking about yesterday. The Stoics journaled, they asked questions, and they wrote letters. They didn't suppress their emotions. Instead, they reflected and analyzed them. The Stoics said you should, quote, domesticate your emotions. I thought that was an <laughs> interesting that. way of looking at it because, you know, when you domesticate a wild animal, you have to work with it. You have to understand it. You have to analyze it. You have to build your skill. Okay, with so that do that to your emotions. With that last sentence, Julie, read my mind. What am I thinking right now? I know you're <laughs> trying I, to domesticate our child. Yeah. And what was the t-shirt you had her in yesterday? <laughs> Nearly feral. Yeah. Julie Actually, put a, she picked that out herself and said it was her angry shirt. Yeah. She put on a black and white shirt and it said nearly feral because she woke up in a bad mood. How funny is that? <laughs> but, but she was being introspective. So, but here's the thing. It, the, what they're, what this point is, it's asking you to be introspective mm -hmm. about how you're feeling. Which means you have to be conscientious of how you're feeling yes. versus basically just being a victim to how you're feeling. Yes, and just doing the feeling and letting it control you. Versus like, how do you feel right now? This is an interesting exercise, really. This is the mm -hmm. introspective part. How do you feel right now, listeners? Do you feel angry? Do you feel sad? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel this? Do you feel the other thing? Well, don't worry about why you feel the way you feel. Ask yourself if the way you're feeling is actually the way you want to feel, right? Because if you don't like the way you're feeling, if you don't want to feel angry, anxious, or sad, or whatever, then you can actually observe your current state of emotions. Don't worry about why you're thinking the way you think or feeling the way you feel. That is, I promise you, a black hole of energy. Just say, I don't want to. I, there's no real reason for me to be feeling anxious right now. There's no real reason for me to be. I should be uh, in a Right now, I need to be, make myself present. Remember we shared with you guys yesterday, if you want to move yourself from an emotional state that's not conducive to the accomplishment of your goal and your purpose on this planet, then put yourself in a state of gratitude. Think things that you're grateful for. You know, be, Do things that are overtly say, Julie, I love you. I appreciate you. Overtly say to people around you that you appreciate them. I, you know, they're self-serving. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star review, you know, or if you're listening to us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel and give us a great review. Do things that will overtly show gratitude towards people that are bettering your life. And that will put you in a state where you're no, that is how you trick yourself out of, or that's how you manipulate your own state away from being in a, a downward adult, you know, feral, uh, a failure spiral of, of dark emotions into a state where you're going to be present. And then you can start being in more control of your emotions. So the trick is, how do I feel right now? I'm feeling anxious. I right, don't worry about why you're feeling anxious. Don't think about it. Okay. Just you're Observe feeling anxious. It. Now, step number two, how do I make yourself in a state of gratitude. What are you grateful for? Come on, oh, I'm not grateful for anything. I'm in a pissy mood. Well, that's how's that working out for you? Let's keep working on it. So what are you grateful for? 
and really drill down and come up with some things, even if they're superficial things to start as your mind starts to go at gratitude breeds more gratitude. And then after that, what you'll find is you change your emotional state to something that's putting you in a present state. And now you can get back on your emotional mission and be of service to other people. I'm oversimplifying it, but it all starts with what point number two was or point number five, rather, which was absolutely positively monitor your emotions, but don't react to your emotions. Your reactions, that's a huge mistake that people feel entitled to constantly be reacting to their emotions. That's That's what Twitter is, right? (laughs) Twitter's a bunch of unfiltered, unregulated, um, non-introspective emotional responses. It's just brain gas. And how frequently do your emotions change? That's the ultimate, you know, your emotions will betray you. That's one of the things that we talk about on this podcast. And, I, you know, that shocks some people, but it's also true. Why will they betray you? Because you can be feeling something right now and then five minutes later not feel that way. Because your emotions are so much dependent on your physiological state, your physical state, whether you're hungry, you have to go to the bathroom, or whether or not, you know, da, 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 all these, you know, cadre of emotional uh, inputs that can cause you to all of a sudden not feel the person like the person you want to be. And if you're not conscientious of actually your uh, your present emotional state, you're going to just basically be going from one uh, heightened emotional state to another. Now you add into it media. Oh, I'm going to watch some CNN or some Fox News. No, now, you, now you're completely derailed. Yeah, that's right. And if you want proof of how your emotions change very quickly, look at the difference between when you start a gratitude journal entry and when you finish it. Yeah. Okay, so sometimes Zoe has to write in her gratitude journal. And when she is having to do it, she may start out by something a little bit superficial or snarky. I'm grateful for my eraser, right? Because she's having to do it. But by the third page, she's actually writing in paragraphs and drawing pictures. And I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. And you know, so your first reaction is not the same as when you come out the other side of that. Because the emotional state of being in gratitude breeds more emotions That's of right. being in gratitude, which removes the negative emotions, which puts you in a state of presence, which all of a sudden makes it so you rise above. See, the negative energies, the negative emotions, there's no benefit to having them. Nope. None. There's no benefit to complaining. There's no benefit to bitching about anything ever because there's nothing that, that's positive that comes after it. Nothing. You think you feel entitled to complain about anything, but what comes after that? Do you feel good about yourself or worse about yourself? Do you attract more nasty stuff to you or do you you all of a sudden elevate yourself? Misery loves company, right? It does. And if you start becoming someone who allows yourself to complain in your head or outside of your head, if if it's just some normal thing in your life, that is going to pull you down and you're never going to be present. You're never going to, because what's a complaint? A complaint is feeling like you are a victim. A complaint is a version of feeling like somehow you're being left out or somebody took Something's something away from right you, for right? You. Some, somebody did something to you. That's what a complaint is. Mm-hmm. Well, don't complain. Don't have anything to do with that. Don't associate with complainers because there's nothing that po- that's positive that comes after essentially allowing those types of emotions to saturate your mind and your mindset. So domesticate your emotions. I think that's something we could all write on whiteboards in our offices, right? And I think one, one last thought on this that can help you actually process that. Think everybody, I think, has somebody that you know who doesn't complain. I, I mean, I can name my early influences. Judy Bergen, when I used to work at a Christmas Village in retail. Never Ju- complained a day about anything. Julie was an elf when we first Full-time got married. Elf. True story. Right. Yeah. yeah. Different story. Um, she, she, well, I'm going to tell a funny story since you brought that up. Okay, go ahead. So Julie would come home every night and covered with sparkles. And sometimes those sparkles, 
glitter, right, from the ornaments. And uh, you guys are going to think I'm making this up, but I'm not. And oftentimes, the glitter would never wash off. That stuff really <laughs> likes to stick. I think I still have some on. Yeah, and so Julie and I would go out places sometimes, <laughs> and strangers would notice the glitter. And after a while, you know, having never spent any time in strip bars, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but it turns out that a lot of the strippers and strip bars were covered with glitter until one day somebody actually asked or inferred that Julie was somehow yeah. associated no. because she had glitter on her all the time. Now, that is hilarious, and that's a story I can't Ornament believe. glitter. Ornament not glitter, kind of glitter. Not stripper glitter. No, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a kind of a turn I didn't plan on taking when uh, I mentioned well, Judy you, Bergen, but that's okay. Or until um, you mentioned being an elf when you were a kid. I know. Well, <laughs> but honestly, the other person that I always think of uh, is my grandma, who lived to be nearly 100 years old. And, you know, she, of course, everybody eventually develops health problems, right, and deals with stuff. Not a single complaint about anything, even when she was in decline. Not a complaint. You'd go to see her. She would want to talk about. She'd get out her photo albums and tell you stories. Isn't that one of Napoleon Hill's thing? Like I think it is. I don't. I don't remember exactly how he defined that. Well, Probably similar to what the Stoics. The were only saying. people that want to know about your health conditions are your doctors and your mor- <laughs> your uh, mortician, mor- mortician or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, some some really yeah. Strange nobody quote. wants to hear about all that. But know? isn't it funny though? Nowadays, yeah. everybody thinks that they should be talking about every single well, aspect. Right, of their and lives. media makes it worse because of all the stupid pharmaceutical commercials and all the other Completely. crap that you see so but my point in mentioning the stories is think about someone you probably have an example of somebody who follows this already that could be a role model for you on this particular point okay point number six Seneca another stoic Seneca stated we suffer more troubles through our imagination than the troubles that are actually real that's a great sentence right we suffer more troubles through our imagination than the troubles that are actually real most of our anxiety is self-created. Mark Twain agreed with this thought as well. As you can hear in this quote by him, he said, I've experienced a great deal of pain and suffering in my life, most of which has never happened, meaning it was in his head. So give up your worry. You control your now and you prepare for your future. Take more advantage of the present by eliminating your speculation about the future. That's living in your head, all the imagination. I'll tell you the number one place I see this with coaching clients, Tim, They'll, they'll get kind of stuck in a transaction or so, somehow there will be what they perceive to be ghosting going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what do they do? They immediately make up a story. Oh, that client must not like the last meeting that we had. Oh, that agent isn't calling me back because they think I'm a newbie. All this, all that. And, I always, and the coaches always ask them, do you have any evidence of that, that that's actually true? Or are you just making up a dramatic story in your head? Julie, take that point. So as real estate coaches, having done this since really you and I the were beginning about, of time, really, <laughs> since, you know, we've yeah. been doing this for over 20 years. Yeah. We have come across a, a, an abnormally high number. A lot of people in the real estate business have drug and alcohol problems. That's true. The simplest way of saying it. Yep. And most of them are high functioning uh, addicts of some variety. Yes. We would go to conferences and whatnot where there would be people oh, yeah. doing drugs in the bathroom. And this was not, this is like a fairly normal, you know, real estate people, when you put a bunch of them together, there's three things they're going to consume too much of coffee, donuts, and alcohol. Absolutely. And, and also many stories from the real estate crash era where they were having debauchery and all yep. other kinds of vices. But the point of it is, is how much of the, it, that, so that would be, you know, alcohol, for example, or mm-hmm. illegal drugs. Yep. But how much of the normal legal drugs are people uh, consuming because of the fact that they're trying to quell the voice and the anxiety in their head 
Is that right? Quell? That would yes. be the right word. Mm-hmm. Quell the voice and the anxiety in their heads that are all uh, self-created. In other words, their fear and their anxiety inside their head. So what do they do? They drink too much or they take the, some, they go to their doctor and say, I'm feeling anxiety. And the doctor puts, we're not doctors. We're not saying anything good or bad. Please do not read anything to what we're saying. We're just asking you guys to be sort of introspective and observant of what's happening to society because people have such a lack of willingness or maybe a lack of knowledge that they can actually control how they react uh, internally. And they don't then uh, keep their emotions in check. Their emotions then- They're not domesticated. They're not domesticated, right. And their emotions go wild in their heads, the feral emotions, you know, and all of a sudden- Exactly. And all of a sudden, what you're dealing with is somebody who is a version of insane. Yeah, they're out of control, quite literally. And they're not emotional control. They're not in control of their health. They feel anxious. They feel all these different things. And then they add to it, either legal or illegal- uh, some sort of substance. Which makes it worse and what, creates a whole other problem. Exactly. But it all started where in their head it wasn't even real. Yes. So ask yourself, are you suffering? When you suffer, when you feel anxiety and stress, is it through your imagination or is it actually real? Now, there are actual real things that actually cause real stress, but most of it is not. So most of the anxiety is self-created. That's something to be introspective about. I mean, Seneca knew it back 2,000 years ago. Isn't that fascinating, guys? These points are over 2,000 years old. <laughs> I know. You know, it's isn't amazing. it incredible? I mean, they had well, wine. it's the human condition. They were humans, too. They had wine back then, by the way. <laughs> right. I guarantee you there are dare- day drinkers back then. For sure. Yeah, Actually, sure. back then, wine was safer to drink than water, so probably for yeah, sure. Yeah, they did. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Okay, point number seven, choose not to be harmed. This goes to the victim talk that we just had. Don't suffer narcissistic injury. It is the agony of the fragile. People can hurt you, but not harm you. That's something the Stoics said time and again. People can hurt you, but not harm you unless you allow it. Eleanor Roosevelt said, quote, no one can hurt you without your consent. You choose how you feel. Now, typically, you'll feel that first reaction. You'll be offended by something. You'll be hurt by something. That's fine, but the harm is a harm is a different thing. Harm is the long-term manifestation of taking that hurt too far. So let's let's do a little coaching here, and Julie and I are going to vamp on this together. I want to, uh, you know, pretend that every single one of you, and there may be twenty or thirty thousand of you that download this podcast. Number one, listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. This podcast has been downloaded over twenty million times, well over at this point. I'm going to actually believe that every single one of you are going to call expires this weekend <laughs> or now, right? Okay. It's the first of the, I know it's not true. Well, I know, but let's just pretend. I'll play along. Okay. So here's I'd what's going to I'd love for that to be true. You guys are going to use our scripts. You're going to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. You're actually going to actually do the real work of real estate. Congratulations. You're going to get on a phone call and the first call you're going to have is not going to go perfectly. There is going to, they're going to say things that you don't know answers to. You're not going to be experienced at it. You're not going to have, you're not going to be very smooth. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to expose all the insecurities that you've been carrying around forever mm-hmm. that maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you're too old. You're too young. You're not smart enough. You're not whatever, whatever. In other words, you're going to have this one little tiny uh, experience on this first call that you make to an expired who, by the way, could have very well listed with you. And you're going to have this one little uh, overreaction in your head. And all of a sudden, you're going to, that's going to spin off into years of psychological harm that you're going to allow yourself mm-hmm. to suffer from. You're going to have one little bad experience. And those of you who've been in the business for a long time, you've done this before. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. It's time for you to turn it around. And then you had that one little bad experience and your ego said, I told you so. Yep. 
You are not good enough. You can't prospect. You are don't seem like you're a, a you know you don't want to appear like you're a pushy salesperson. You need to do TikTok videos, and eventually people will call you or whatever. You're. And do you see how uncomfortable you were? And yeah. do you see how you broke out into a sweat and you stumbled on your words and there was awkward silence? You see. Yep, and your brain fills with all kinds of negative emotions, none of which you know where the hell they came from. They just come out of every single closet in your head, every single, you know, underneath every single bed and every single trunk is open, and all your negative thoughts come out and just beat you across the head with don't do it again, and you never do it again. And then weeks pass, years pass, and then all of a sudden, basically, you realize you should have moved past that and not allowed the perceived psychological harm of feeling somebody even marginally reject you cause you such long-term scars. And that is what happens to us as we get older. Now, when we're kids, like I look at Zoe, quite <laughs> frankly, she's covered with bumps and bruises now. And she, gets, literally, she yes. gets her ass up and she goes back at it again. You know, she might, you know, give it a nasty look to something, but the reality of it is, is she moves past it, right? Yes. I, I mean, wonder. but how many of us, as soon as we get a tiny little infraction, we all of a sudden just back off and say, that's, that's not right. for me. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go buy leads from Zillow. I'm out. I cannot Conflict actually. Conflict free. I'm, exactly. Is That's what the fallacy of modern civilization is, is we try aggressively to never make ourselves uncomfortable. That's really what's essentially, if you want to know what the um, bitter truth is, why most people, especially nowadays, will never really get close to succeeding at really any meaning, in any meaningful way in their lives at the level which they otherwise could have, it's because every single human that you know, including probably you, wakes up in the morning and all you're wanting to do is go from comfortable situation to comfortable situation to comfortable situation. It's what Julie and I call living a nerfed up life. And that's what is feeding the problems in our industry and frankly, the problems in our society. We are entitled to think that our emotions and how we feel are more important than the people we are, the people we help, and the people we become. And that's why you give up too soon. Yep. That's why you make a call or two. I talk to you guys all the time. Oh, I tried to call up for sale by owner, but, you know, they hung up on me. So what'd you do next? You gave up or did you call another one and another one? You know, what's weird to me is that, and I don't know how this happens or when it happens, maybe developmentally or in school or maybe it's different for everybody, but how do we go from being like Zoe falling off of her scooter and saying, well, when you get hurt, it just makes you tougher <laughs> getting, you know, she might kick her scooter, but she gets back on it to this, this phenomena of being narcissistically injured when somebody just, it, it, they don't, they're not even rejecting you. They just don't want to move today. Like, to me, that's a disconnect. Well, here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Like, why is it you're taking it personally? Well, it's not, no, it's just not now. Maybe maybe they're telling the truth. We went to, we took Zoe someplace to go, you know, there's a beach nearby, and we take Zoe to this beach. It's called Barlavento. And Zoe can go out there, and most times she's going to find some kid she knows from school, and she's going to be able to play with that kid. This day, no kids there. There was a family of, what, four or five kids. Mm -hmm. They all were siblings, you know, brothers and sisters. And they all knew how to play with each other. They all were, frankly, way too aggressive with each other. You know, Zoe's an only child. But she went out there and she started playing with them. And they all summarily rejected her because they had their little – the girls had things going. The boys had things going. Zoe didn't fit in anywhere. They didn't know how to She's you know, kind play. of an intruder. She was an intruder, basically. So she comes back, and she, and, and she sat down beside Julie and I. And Julie and I are looking at the ocean. We saw what had just happened. We didn't say anything to her. She wasn't crying. And we said, Zoe – Go find some other kids to play with. And then, you know, 
these kids just want to play with each other. And we pointed at them. We looked, had her look over there. They're just brothers and sisters, Zoe. They just know how to play with each other, and they didn't know you. It has nothing to do with you. It's them wanting to play with each other. It has nothing to do with them rejecting you. She put that into her little kid brain, and she went out there, and she found a new crop of kids to play with. Yes, but that see, that's maybe the edge of something as we mature. Well, versus had we coddled her up and said, oh, it's so bad, up. and go talk to her parents about how they, me and the kids were. One of the kids hit her with a stick. Who cares? Get over it. And then, you know, seriously. I, I know. And, and then we, if we would have, oh, it's so bad, we, let's go talk well, to the parents. Well, some parents would actually get into it with the parents over it. Exactly. You know, and because they were offended by it. Right. And, well, you Somehow. rejected my kid. Your kids rejected my kid, Ugh. you know. And Julie, just, Julie and I said, well, get, go, find some new, the fittest. go find some new kids. <laughs> yeah. But how are, we being ra- how are we raising ourselves as adults? Right. When we face a little bit of, you know, headwinds, Ad- we stop. What the hell has happened that we stop? <laughs> Why have we tried? Why have we worked so hard to not actually have to work hard? Don't you realize that on the other side of that is going to be failure? It's going to be disappointment? The other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level and always staying in tune with your, what your true North Star is, which is being of service to other people, that is ultimately what is going to remove you from your egotistical state of worrying about yourself, realizing that your highest and truest purpose on this planet is helping other people. That is the ultimate, um, I think, uh, anecdote to the ego and the narcissism. It is, and I'll, I'll put some color on this. The flip side to this, when you, not if you, listeners, when you push through this, and you stop acting this way, and you just do what you're supposed to do. Time, yes, you have to dial more, you have to talk to more people, make more contacts, this is business, right? So when you do that and you start to have those victories where somebody does say yes, you know, I was thinking about listing my house. I've already got two other appointments set up. Why don't you come over this afternoon? I'd love to talk to you about that. When you start hearing the yeses, no matter how many times you've had to hear no or get hung up on or get offended temporarily, okay? When you get those yeses, that's when, and I hear this from our coaching clients all the time when they push through it. They get addicted to that instead of what we just talked about. Oh, yeah, they're free. It's because they, they love it. It's because for the first, it's the crabs in the bucket thing, right? Yes. They got a claw out of the bucket. Right. They the got, other, think about somebody like Ziggy, right? And they've got a really, worked it. And they're going to pull themselves out of that bucket, and the other crabs aren't going to pull them back in. That's right. That's, That's freedom what's going for on. you. That's the freedom. The second you realize, that you can actually build your mansion, your future, on land you actually own, your skill set, your mindset, you know, your people-helping mindset, really. Mm-hmm. Once you realize that and you're in alignment with that, all the other crap that you basically would used to think was important. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. You don't even have to pay attention. Matter of fact, you won't even remember thinking the way you used to think. That's you won't. right. Or if it crops up, you'll laugh at it. You'll go, huh. Isn't that funny that in I your stayed head, there for a while? In your head, you'll laugh at it. But when right. you'll stumble across other people that used to think like you used to think, and then maybe a little bit of you will remember, oh, I used to have that defective software. <laughs> that used to be yeah. my old crappy operating system, but I moved past it. You won't remember how you did it, honestly. Many of you won't. You just won't be thinking like that well, anymore. Because you'll be focused on the victory. And you'll be focusing on what's next. Yes. And what's next is going to involve scaling up the same mindset, skill set combined with being of service to other people equates to unlimited potential. That's really the bottom line of life, guys. It truly is. It is. So these, more... these, I love these stoic points because you can apply them to your personal life, to your business life, to your family life, everything. You know, they, there's there's nothing really more exciting than when an agent has a breakthrough and they, they say something like, you know what? I actually followed the seven-step listing process for the first time on this next listing appointment and it worked. Yeah. It worked. I want more of that. I'm going to do more of that because that unlocks their potential. 
Exactly. That's exciting. Yeah. It's when you guys start to feel free. You know, freedom is ultimately, if you really drill down, that's the reason you got into real estate. Yep. That That's what all, that's what our hearts and our souls want more than anything else is a sense of freedom. The unburdening of the need to actually, uh, to live a transactional life. Not just transactional in the sense of doing real estate transactions, but transactional in the sense of how you actually interact with other people. When you can move away from having a transactional life, I'll do this for you if you do this for me, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. When you remove the burden of having to earn money, you will then discover that there's a whole facet of life that is extraordinary that you will, frankly, you'll become a version of yourself that you, I do believe all of you can feel it inside of you, this version of yourself that wants to be free, that wants to essentially be manifested in this life. But the transactional nature of how you think and how you operate and, frankly, how you have to end your, uh, earn your income will always keep you in, uh, essentially tied to the shore. You'll never actually be able to leave and go out to sea. Right. But between now and that freedom lies your skill set. That's it. That's the bottom line. And that's something that 100% of our listeners can obtain, can polish, can take to the next level. And you're not going to get it from listening to a million podcasts, even this one. You're not going to get it from listening to a bunch of YouTube coaches. You're going to – I mean, Julie and I were at the gym today, and we hired somebody. We thought we knew it. The kettlebell (laughs) coach, right? And so we hired a kettlebell coach. You guys can look at our suffering on on Instagram. (laughs) It's Tim and Julie Harris or Harris Real Estate University. It's the same account. But you can go there. We're doing kettlebells, and there's this guy that's, you know, frankly beating the crap out of us. I mean, we went the first day, and, this, you know, the second day we went, we could – frankly, we were walking like we just got off a horse. And, you know, we looked like some sort of you – because know, we could we – our legs clearly injured. Our legs wouldn't even go straight. He, then he asked us where it hurt, and he says, good, that you're doing the right thing. Let's do more of it. That's my kind of coach, frankly. Well, I know, but, you know, we were dumb enough to tell him, like, where everything hurt so he could do more of it. But, you know, he is a really good coach, I have to say. We would know because, you know, we, we teach the coaches too, right? Um, but what makes a great coach is that he clearly is a, a specialist at kettlebells. At now, kettlebells. I've been doing a kettlebell workout, my version of it, after taking one class, which is equivalent to sampling something on YouTube. I, I saw- thought I knew what I was doing. Exactly. You know, and I did it, and I, you know, I basically have it right, but there's a huge difference between somebody who is intricately right and highly skilled at it. That's the difference between coaching and training. Huge difference. Th- that's the difference between – so some of you have never experienced what we're talking about. That's right. Somebody to listen to what you say, observe what you're doing. Many of you have never had that experience before. There's a huge difference between doing that and then watching some video on YouTube. Huge difference. It's a reason why many of you guys are still struggling at – you know, just essentially launch to the level that you otherwise could – because you're, you don't know what your blind spots are. Well, that's I, called unconscious incompetence, right? Well, exactly. And, and we experience this every time we have a class with him that we're, you know, our uh, session Mostly you, together, I do it perfectly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> did you see one of his coaching techniques? Because I always like to try and, and observe and pick up new things, right? So one of the things, and, and I would say that, that we are maybe emerging from unconscious incompetence. He's pointing out things that we don't know and learning to be competent on various individual things we're doing. So one of the things that he'll do is he he will teach you, then he'll teach me, and then we'll do the exercise, right? 
and he'll ask me if I can tell him what you might be doing off a little bit, maybe something that's a little bit wrong. Actually, if I remember correctly, it's mostly and he's he ask, does that to you. Mostly too. he's yeah. asking you if you're observing all the things I'm doing right. Mostly right. And but, then, and but then, stay with and the then he, point though. And then he's asking you all the places that you can improve based yeah, on yeah, my yeah. doing it perfectly. Exactly. That's what I remember. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but um, but he'll but what he's doing is he's seeing. He's trying to get me to observe. Yep. The technique, right? And so I found it interesting that. I will sometimes be guessing. Like I don't, I don't necessarily know what you're doing. He, he not exactly a, right. He had us tossing and catching 35 pound kettlebells. Like who today. does that? I, I didn't even know you could do that. I was thinking while I was doing that. That's the unconscious incompetence. Well, I, I was didn't thinking know. while I was doing it. This is a practical skill. How? Yeah, like what? And then he'll explain to you how it's a practical skill. Right. Well, it's because one thing's building on another. That's right. But my point is that he will then tell me exactly by looking at you for 10 seconds. You just need to tweak this a little bit. That's the difference between a good coach and just a trainer. Right. Okay? Because we have seen trainers in that same gym who will set somebody down on a machine and then go check their, their email. Exactly. Or when you're watching somebody else do it, it's not the same of being watched by somebody who actually knows all. how to coach you. <laughs> and again, if you guys, you intuitively, every one of you know what I'm talking about. And that is the essence of what a really great coach does. Now, in our, in our business, we have training and we have coaching. We do offer both. The training costs a lot less than the coaching. Let's just be clear about that. And the great, you know, frankly, the best way for you guys to get involved in our coaching program is just join Premier Coaching. And Premier Coaching is something, it's our life's work, really. And it's all the details, all the specifics. We're constantly updating it. But if you guys are ready to join Premier Coaching, which every single one of you should be, text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. And when you do, we'll show you how to join Premier Coaching for around $100 a month, just depending on which, uh, which path you choose. Um, and again, remember, this is something in every single one of you, if you, you know you're looking for it, stop taking half measures, become a Premier Coaching member, text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. All right, so we're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Thank you for continuing to make this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals in the United States. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.